0: Final episode of the Stay at Home Festival podcast, producer Trent here. Yes, you've no doubt heard that uh, after eight and a bit weeks, we have stopped doing the daily morning shows as part of the Stay at Home Festival. After over a hundred different live streams and web series videos and such things that we've done as part of the Stay at Home Festival in the last eight or so weeks, uh, we've decided to change things up a little bit as it's apparent, obviously, that uh, this lockdown and uh, lack of being able to do live shows and whatnot is going to continue for a very long time unfortunately so we're still going to be doing live shows and live streams and podcasts and everything else uh, that we've been doing some of those will still be free and some of them will be uh, ticketed or part of our patreon so if you'd like to watch those or listen to those, you can support us by going to either patreon.com slash cosmic shambles or patreon.com slash book shambles. You'll get pretty much the same benefits on both except on the book shambles Patreon. Obviously, you'll get extra book shambles stuff like the extended episodes of book shambles, some live book shambles, uh, streams and that sort of thing. And you can also get uh, all the lockdown and you can also get lots of new stuff we'll be doing during lockdown by subscribing for free to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Cosmic Shambles. We'll be putting up lots of videos there, including our new series we made with Isa, with Helen Chersky and Ginny Smith. You can subscribe to the Book Shambles podcast, which is still ongoing. We're going to start recording uh, new episodes of those remotely very soon. There's still a few episodes we've got to put out that we recorded uh, pre-lockdown. And you can subscribe to the Science Shambles podcast as well. We're still going to be doing the Sunday science shows live and free on our YouTube channel hosted by Robin and Helen with lots of different guests. But the podcast versions of those will now be going up on the Science Shambles podcast, not on this stay-at-home feed. So thank you very much for dropping tips in the tip jar and uh, subscribing to this podcast or watching the live streams and uh, getting involved over the last eight or so weeks. We've really appreciated it. We've really enjoyed making all the shows as well but like I say things have to have to change a little bit moving forward. So that is all that admin out of the way. We hope you enjoy this final episode that we did with a Lots of returning guests that we've enjoyed having on the show over the last nine weeks. Robin and Josie, joined by Mark Gadis, Natalie Haynes, and David McCormont, and also some poetry from Deanna Roger. Enjoy. <music> Hello, good
1: morning and welcome to the final morning show uh, that we've been doing now for eight weeks. Uh, Good morning, Josie, how are you?
2: I'm good, thank you. I'm a little bit bleary, but all is well. Uh, I've been playing... (laughs) My my daughter found the Dustbuster this morning and she just kept pressing it and then turning to look at me like, this is incredible, isn't it? (laughs) And then she would (laughs) press it again. And I mean, it was really funny, so... Fair play to her. Fair play to her. She's done very well.
1: And I presume the dustbuster will be your show and tell today. No, I've got a real <laughs> show and tell. Oh, okay. It's a nice story it's... attached. Oh, brilliant. Well, um, we were. I'll just t- tell people a few things that. Uh, so this is the last one. As I said, we've done eight weeks of these, and I think we've also done during this period over um a hundred shows as well. Uh, wow. And yeah. Uh, yeah no, we're, yeah because we've done we've done all these and then there's been lots of other ones that we've been doing at night and you've been doing your stand-up shows as well and there's been the science shows and all of that on sunday we have uh it's kind of the big blowout but at the same time it's also we are continuing to do shows next week as well but not the morning show uh we're doing a show for uh not from the albert hall it was meant to be from the albert hall uh but we are doing uh, a celebration of the sea we're doing sea shambles we've got all the people who were in the original lineup C say so british sea power etc plus we have loads of other people including chris Hadfield and Brian. Cox and Kobe Smulders. And uh we also have a reading of Moby Dick. Not all of it. You will be finished by the end of Sunday. There will be some chapters that ask it, but there's going to be a reading of Moby Dick with some very exciting celebrity guests as well as our narrators. And it's funny with stuff
2: like this because playing the Royal Albert Hall is such a dream. It's such a sort of thing that you go, wow, wow I, I can't believe I'd get to do that. I'll remember that my whole life. And the fact that we're not doing it makes you think, maybe I maybe I just invented that. It, like maybe this is just like this is all in my head anyway like it's so bizarre to like have things like that disappear it's as bizarre as having them in the first Uh, you'll be
1: on next Next year year. you'll be be on at the space shambles and it serves you right anyway because you were meant to be on with us with space shambles and then you came up with some alibi of having a better career no i I was
2: meant to i was having a bait (laughs) with
1: it Oh yeah, you were having a baby He's that literally night. Literally giving oh, the old cast iron alibi of having a baby. Um, the uh, so anyway, that's uh, our Patreon as well. We've set up a new Patreon um, site because all the stuff that we're making uh, now. If you ca- if you do want it, I know not everyone can, but if you can subscribe to Patreon, we're still going to make stuff that is totally free to access. But we are starting to do Patreon only shows just because of uh, the fact that no one has any gigs anymore, and uh, all of our live work and our diary now just kind of spits this from uh, whatever table it's been left on. Uh, so, if you can support us for our Patreon, that is absolutely brilliant. Robin, um, I
2: haven't even asked you. How are you today?
1: today? Grumpy, actually. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I woke mm. up very much with Kenneth Williams' uh, uh, final, uh, final words. What's the bloody point in my head? Just yes, Kenneth Williams because... had terrible politics. It's no wonder that he was so down on everything. Oh, but he was pro-Europe, though, Josie. Oh, oh. Ah, there we see. There's a the on, on daytime TV talking about the importance of being pro Europe. But he was, uh but what I, I, I've just had one of those days where I, I'm so lucky in the fact that I managed to talk to so many people who are, are so much more intelligent than me, who have incredible world views and views beyond the world. And then every time that I see, you know, whether it's Nardine Doris or any of those other people, and I think, how have we, when we have so many intelligent people in this country, how are we allowed? ourselves to be led by people who are beyond mundane who are dunderheaded, headed who are amoral and sometimes immoral and and it's just looking when you look out at the columnists and you look at our, at our politicians and you look at that at such a limited uh an egotistical worldview and such a poverty of ideas and i just had that moment of going but i I spend so much time with people who just are so filled with wonder and delight and and intelligence. There was a great line, Alistair Barry. Uh, I thought this this was a, the, a perfect summation of of the uh, of the Prime Minister. He said, "The Prime Minister who is neither as stupid as he pretends to be or as smart as he thinks he is—that is a terrible situation." Mm-hmm. I thought that is a brilliant kind of summary of one yeah, of our issues.
2: Up a little bit because two things. Uh, Arts Emergency, which is the charity I help set up, so obviously I'm biased, but the in terms of the sheer potential and. Uh, intelligence and imagination and drive all of the young people we work with which is nearly a thousand now they're just desperate to get out into the world and to create an imprint and to change things and all of the young people we work with are not from privilege they are not the mediocre children of privilege they are the best of the best right and we were talking a lot recently about the fact that the first time that or one of the first real times that in this society or maybe the only time if we're going to be bleak in this society where people from a working class and lower middle class and undefined unspecific class background got to actually influence culture and politics was the grammar school generation and when people think about that they think about it as this seismic shift in 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 culture and everyone that was so few people so few people got through that system and then went on to be influential. If you look at it, it's, it's barely tens of thousands of people. That is not that many people in order to fully change the fabric of society for a generation for the positive. So basically support arts emergency because all we need to do is to increase 40 fold and then we will have um, put enough people, not from privilege, not from, uh, not from the terrible establishment into society. In order
1: to shake it up so oh don't no this you bit worries me because in the movie this is the bit where i see you as filled with hope and i kind of join your bandwagon and then <laughs> 10 years later when i see you as a stalinist dictator i go but it was all hope about poetry and how has this happened it yeah you know thing. what? At, first, at least you please. get a medal for participating in your streets um
2: parade So it's <laughs> not all that bad is it do you want to Let's, see my show
1: and tell? No. Your, why, don't, why don't we get Mark as well to, to yes. join in with, with our show and tell? This was the first guest we had on the show. Also, by the way I will just add, uh thank you very much, everyone who contributed to our tip jar. Uh, it ended up being uh about twenty-seven thousand pounds, which we have distributed to art wow. centres and and various artists uh that we knew I've were struggling. of struggling
2: twenty-six grand, and the art centres got
3: fifty pence each, and they've been yeah. very grateful. <laughs> Good, Good morning, Mark. How are, How are you? you? Good morning, I'm fine, I think, yes, surviving still. Eight weeks, has flown, actually. I've shaved my beard off and rode it back in that time just for kicks. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I think what I'm frightened of is, is BBC Four going. Mm. But it's, it's a, no one seems to know at the moment whether it's just the telegraph stirring or whether it's actually in the works. Uh, quite petrifying idea because it's, um, you know, BBC Four is basically what BBC Two used to be. And having, having had BBC Four out on a limb, they now it can now be quietly strangled, thus removing all arts and science from television forever. That's um, really alarming. I hope it's not true. I just don't know whether in the current climate of anti-everything. I'll say this before I forget it, because you're probably going to ask me what I'm watching. We've become completely hooked on the adventure game on YouTube. Do you remember the adventure game? Yeah, yeah. Um, the invention, yeah. So, for those who don't know, very strange, uh, quasi kids program, very old school BBC paternalistic, botany kind of thing, in which set on the planet ARG, in which people, it's essentially an escape room. That's, that's where it started. They're like escape rooms. It's impenetrably difficult, totally insane. Has, a, ah. has an Aspidistra as, as one of the aliens. And, but this is really interesting. The most famous episode. We we watched the other night, which is where Graham Garden is accused of being the mole, and he's evaporated with the final words: "I'm innocent, I tell you." I remember it To this day, and the one we just watched this morning, another intellectual, because uh, they have a they have a member of the public, a sort of boffin and um, and a celebrity. Um, he was also accused of being the mole and was evaporated. And it's like uh, this is where it all fucking started. This is the strand anti-intellectual. This is what Stalin did. Because both Grave Garden and this other guy, who's a physicist, I think, um, they, they managed, they were the best people. They got them through all the puzzles, they solved everything. And then as soon as there's any whiff, of conspiracy, everyone turns against them and has them evaporated. So that's where I am this morning. The adventure game is the beginning of the end.
1: <laughs> oh, it's it, it, that going into the nostalgia loop as well, because I've, I've been watching Children of the Stones again. That's been my kind of uh, which for those of you who don't know is uh, it was it was a uh, um, Gareth Thomas who was uh, rog Blake in 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 Blake Seven and a Shakespearean actor, and uh, it has Ian Cuthbertson, and it's just it's what I'd forgotten about it is it sets it doesn't have like you have to wait a few episodes to find out that all the people who live there are probably stones it kind of right at the start just goes we've moved to a weird village yeah a lot of the people who live here are strange and are probably actually reanimated stones uh from oh okay and now we have another seven weeks to deal with but it's a lovely piece of work
3: oh Oh, genuinely disturbing. happy day happy day i remember when freddie jones i haven't actually seen it since but freddie jones completely changes into another person doesn't he i you haven't got there yet i'm only zone. on episode oh. five
1: oh. so, so they still really just die weird. yeah
3: just
4: yeah, it's, die
1: it's such such a treat to watch the um and so in this in the last i think the last time we saw you was about three four weeks ago um and it has it's been as you said it's a strange period of time isn't it where it's rushed by and then at the same time it's also you have no there's working out you almost have to note down every day what you've done or you go it's friday i know monday i remember monday having a good intention what happened to that
3: it's a a very strange mixture everyone's you know making jokes about it's like it's it's like it's like fumble day or something like that it's another it's it's like sunday Sunday again again. or as dr adam Kay says every monday oh it's next fucking week again yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but um Uh, yeah it's I don't know I'm not bored and there's certain parts of it I really really like and as Josie was saying about the traffic coming back you sort of think oh we've we've learned something here and it would be a shame to just try and chuck it away the other uh, but then the other side of course is just people who are unable to work or eat (laughs) or house themselves Uh, so it's a it's not a great level I think level it's it's a different experience for everybody that's the thing uh, it's all. All we can all agree on is it's really weird, and is is a is an epoch-defining thing for us because no one's ever had this before. I think I probably said this on week one, but it's not like the war because people had each other then. They could go. They 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 were threatened with bombing, but they could go to the pub, and they could assemble in each other's houses. And this is the same sort of lonely apocalypse, isn't it? It's it's very weird indeed. Yeah, I found that. Very but Sorry, go go no, no, There right, are you? I've been treated. This is my show and tell. Um, a few years ago, I fell down a rabbit hole of trying to find uh, crime thriller detective novels, which I'm very fond of, uh, with the most mundane names possible. Huh. and i ordered I ordered four from eight books, and uh, I've read the, the first three, and I'd never read the fourth one, which is what I'm currently reading, which is brilliantly called murder in hospital <laughs> wow what's um, about <laughs> it's a twist um, this is a very good one by John Rode called Vegetable Duck which is actually a wartime recipe where you stuff marrow with mints I think it is it's, ro- it's, a, it's a good mystery um, this is a bit dull but has an amazing title he could not have slipped oh
1: that's fantastic
3: but this is the the absolute uh, the absolute cream of the crop, uh, and this is a, a good detective story with the most fantastically mundane title. So imagine, maybe you've gone, you've run out, you've gone through all the police procedural things like um, um, assault and battery, or uh, uh, prime suspect, or murder most foul. What do you end up with? They rang up the police. <laughs> 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 but the great joy, now I'm on Murder in Hospital. I've discovered that Josephine Bell, um uh whose story is a bit racist, but not bad. Um her first book was called Death on the Borough Council. So I know what I'm going to be ordering this afternoon. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, so it? it's like a deliberate attempt to not get people to read it. <laughs> That is it's such
1: a beautiful. That there was uh, a book that I've searched for, and I'm not sure if it exists. You know, when someone tells you when you're young about a book, and then you go on the search. Then is um, I think it was Paul Putner. The actor Paul Putner told me about an act uh, a book which was called um, "Hobbies for the Bedbound" that came out in the 1930s, and I always thought that's such wow. a fascinating. You know, the hobbies for because that as a picture of the world then and it made me think of i think we've talked about it before ernest thesiger the wonderful actor in his book adventures in embroidery and his I've desire i've still not got it adventure in embroidery I, I have not I'm, I'm so i'm gonna get it i'm determined that
3: that's one of the i've got it. i've got it you don't I've got it you've got in embroidery i'm gonna go when when i I'll go and come back after we've done this bit. I'll go and get it. I've got it. Ah, oh, because I I I just loved it when I'd not known
1: about until I watched the the Old Dark House was the, yesterday on my list of David McCallum is going to be on later as well. Uh doing the lockdown films and I thought Old Dark House is the perfect lockdown film. It's not it's 70 minutes. It is just such an incredible mixture of atmosphere and camp and it's a beautifully strange. I think it's probably James Wells's most beautifully strange film. I don't know whether you would um
3: you may well disagree, uh, Mark. Oh, well, it's certainly strange. I mean, everything about it is weird, isn't it? Have a potato. Would you like some gin? It's my only wee <laughs> yes. um, It's so strange. I mean, even down to the casting of, of an old lady as the head of the household. And it's, it's so off puttingly wrong, isn't it? Elspeth Dudgeon, she was called. And she was, she was billed as John Dudgeon just to confuse people. When you see her in bed without her teeth and her whiskery chin, genuinely disturbing.
1: Yeah, that was the point where you really shot. knew if you were <laughs> able to connect with people i don't know if you ever had this uh with uh resource steve or jeremy <laughs> that moment that you realize there is someone else who knows who op heggie is or yes, yes, Judge, yes. and you go oh because Josie was <laughs> saying day <laughs> she went has it been terribly lonely for you robin the fact that almost every film you mentioned people go oh i've not heard of that you've never heard of the whisperers with edith evans oh it's it's very good. It's one of Brian Forbes' better ones. I'll, I'll go back now to the library. <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's
1: so nice to have yeah. to,
2: together talking about very specific things,
1: which you both love. It's, it's really wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, the old dark house, because he had, he started, uh, you probably remember the name, there was an organisation, because he had his hands injured, didn't he, on the Western Front, I think.
3: Oh, and
1: nice. he then had this idea of starting a, a, an organisation where a bedbound soldiers um, would do embroidery from home. And and many of the the people higher up in in the army were like no we can't have our soldiers doing embroidery and that gives you some idea of both his his tenacity and pugilism behind also the embroidery.
2: Can I say my well, show know. and tell? Oh, sorry, my show and tell fits into this so
3: well.
1: Oh, now Mark, you sorry you and then it's let's do show it, and tell. The let's have I was, just, I was
3: just just going to briefly say you know that fam- the famous story about, about Anastasia. When, because I think he got the military cross from the Western Front. He's a very brave soldier and he, he, was, he never talked about it. And, and whenever he gave interviews, reporters were told not to mention it because of his shattering war experience. And eventually a, a journalist plucked at the courage and said, Tell me, Mr. S- S- what what were the trenches actually like? And he said, Oh, my dear, the noise, the
2: people. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> oh, he's yeah
1: delightful character josie what have you got for us now we've got the suspense
2: i was on the tube which many of you will remember was a thing we all used to do and there was a woman next to me and she was making oh, this. this i don't know if you can see the, doily. the doily. yes the doily. yeah yeah but it's fine lace work she was doing it with this tiny needle so quickly, and it span as she did it. And I just couldn't look away. It was so beautiful. Anyway, I've spoiled the story a bit because I couldn't help but show it to you straight away. And I, so I'm very much somebody who talks to strangers on the tube and it gets me into good and bad places. And I was like, Excuse me, that's amazing. What are you doing? And she reacted to me quite gruffly. And I thought, fair enough. She was like, Oh, I'm, I'm making a doily. And I was like, OK, uh, cool. It's it's beautiful. I, I think it's wonderful what you're able to do. And I thought, oh, well, that that didn't go very well as an exchange. Fair enough. I shouldn't have spoken to her. I've obviously sort of freaked her out a bit. Then as I was getting off the tube, she ran up to me and she shoved this finished one into my hand. And she looked at me very intensely in the eye and went, wash it and iron it. And then I go, oh, she gave it to me. She gave. this was one she'd just finished. And honestly, the work on it is so beautiful and intricate. I don't
3: know if Chelsea, you can see. Josie, don't you understand? Those are runes, not doilies. <laughs> <laughs> she, she passed you the runes. That's it. You're doomed. Oh, no. <laughs> But isn't that's that a nice one of
1: that. That is such a beauty. That's very similar to what my grandmother used to put over the sugar bowl she had. As well, oh, those, those kind th- of things. But that—that's one of my mentioning the runes thing there. Of course, Night of the Demon. Still one of my favourite bits of any film is the desperation to go. No, you have the runes. Hang on, you're shaking hands with the runes. Give me the. <laughs> it's just such a. I, I love all that. It's almost to the point of slapstick trying to
3: swap up over the runes. Great <laughs> stuff. Some <laughs> um, uh, lucky gives when he when he is on the train and he, and he realises it's been passed and there's nothing he can do it's so fantastic
1: well that that's certainly a lockdown film that was uh I, I will mention because because we're not going to be on anymore on on i don't know who else is doing these things but some of the other lockdown films that uh, i've recently been mentioning. And david will talk about some of the ones he's been uh reflecting skin i'm sure i've mentioned this before if you have never seen the film the reflecting skin by philip ridley uh it just gets better on each revisit you you've seen it mark
3: Yes, in the, in, the, in the early 90s, not since, actually. No, he's a very interesting. interesting filmmaker for Ridley, isn't he? Yeah, I, think yeah, he I just, used to see him about town in his beret a lot. I, I don't know where he is these days.
1: Well, I think he's still... He, I writes, mean,
3: he's, he writes children's theatres, uh, isn't he?
1: Well, he also did, he did, did a brilliant... He did this set of monologues that I saw in the, um, the studio at Southwark Playhouse, I think about a year and a half ago. And he wrote them so that there was one male actor and, and one female actor, and they would swap round each night. So that the one would do so, so they would do different monologues. So that they had no specifics in terms of uh, of gender, and it worked really. There was a beautiful one that he did where you're trying to work out what's going on as this person tells a story, and it just seems initially that it's a kind of a love story involving someone in a bookshop and this beautiful, and then slowly it's about actually the disintegration of society and how someone ends up becoming a refugee. And it was so brilliantly done, that bit where you're so drawn into the character and the, you know, so much of, of, of what we see when it comes to the stories of, of refugees is a meant meant to detach it from our possible story and the fact that these people are not like, and it was a very potent piece. I think he's a and, and reflecting skin, which for those who don't know, opens pretty much with a, a, an exploding toad, basically. Um, and it's, it's all very, good things do it, uh, <laughs> Lindsay duncan uh and, and an exploding t- it's an amazing and uh when it was first shown a lot of people were going philip i wouldn't open with that that's going to have a lot of walkouts and then one of his friends went yes but those who stay are going to bloody love it mm. and i think it's true Mark <laughs> mode, is, mode is, is a great um. fan of it and i think it is a film which yes it didn't appeal to everyone but it is filled with beautiful images as well absolutely fantastic um we're going to do so. We're going to have an embroidery break so that Mark can go and get the adventure embroidery, and we are going to join another of our favourite guests now, who is hello, Natalie, Natalie Haynes. Hello, Natalie.
5: Hello, hello, <laughs> hello.
1: How are you doing? You are doing, uh, because we were just talking beforehand about, you know, we, we've now chickened out after, doing eight, weeks, now, after doing eight weeks, we've gone, yeah, 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 we, we can't do any more. Whereas other people, such as, as we mentioned, Sam West, who was a previous guest, he is now committed to staying in his shed and doing two poems every single day. Yeah,
6: um,
1: what a cool... You- you have made a similar <laughs> commitment, haven't you? Not quite every day, but no,
5: once a week. In my defence,
1: my poem is in Latin, so it takes me a bit longer
5: <laughs> to read. Um, yeah, now I started doing um, a little series of videos called Ovid, not COVID. Um, well, seven weeks ago, the seventh one went up on Wednesday, and um, I would. The idea was that I would read and one of Ovid's poems, the Heroides poems, um, each week, and then essentially I'd read the poem go through it, make some notes, pick out the bits that I thought were really cool and fun and interesting and then do a little video of it Um, and yeah now I've done well I've recorded eight, so I need to do the ninth one today or over the weekend. Um, and I've done all the a-level texts for next year. so I've been very helpful or at least I've tried to be. but yeah, I said I'd keep going as long as lockdown went on and lockdown has gone on for quite a long time. so I mean we'll run out of poems when we get to 21 because that's the end of the collection and I can't start the metamorphoses. it's uh, 15, 16 books. so <laughs> yes, well, we'll see. but it's been I love Ovid. Um, I know I'm not supposed to because of his you know problematic, um real life and indeed the problem of knowing anything about his problematic real life given how much irony he writes with. But I love Ovid and the poems are extraordinary. And they're they're just the most incredible collection of letters imagined by Ovid being written um, by the abandoned women of Greek myth to the men who have abandoned them. And so it's this incredible act of, of literary transvestism yeah, th- th- literally thousands of years before anybody else would think about it. I mean, maybe Euripides before him, I guess, in, in drama. But for a man who's, yeah, comes from an incredibly patriarchal society, he is part of that patriarchy, he's part of the elite, he's very wealthy, that's how come he can read and write poetry for, a, for a, not a living because he gets given money uh, by uh, in a client-patron relationship. But for him to imagine the lives of women mythological women, but women nonetheless, and think that the detail in the letter from Hypsipyle to Jason, where she talks about being abandoned while she's pregnant, with twins, incidentally, um, it, it's just extraordinary. It's just extraordinary that this exists at all. So it's been wonderful. I knew some of them very well. I know some of them less well um but it's been incredible to get the chance to read them all and then
1: share them with an audience i was astonished there was an, an audience for it but it turns out there is so hooray but also i mean you've been immersed in the fact that um stand um, up stand up for the, the classics. classics begins next week is it new no, series
5: sunday, two days away yeah sunday um series six of Nestle hane stands up for the classics starts on uh, radio four at half past four on sunday afternoon and then it'll be repeated
1: the following saturday night so yeah really soon and you've you've been doing as, as as we talked about last time as well. You've had that experience of I, I think the first day I, I spoke to you maybe the, the day before you recorded the first one, and this was the first time yeah. having not had an audience. Have you found a kind of change in the timing that as uh, because uh, 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 I, I think there has been it's an interesting so thing.
5: Different. yeah, it's so different today. We're in the, the second, second recording. I it's still in my diary, and I'm just like oh, I I thought I mean I did really I do really miss the audience. The audience is like the extra guest on my show. Um, because of the, uh, somebody once rather grudgingly said to me that I had the nicest audience in, of any Radio Four show, and that is probably true. I think um, they are. Hey, incredible. hang on, hang on. Hey, I hey, don't know hey, what hey. you want me to I say. Really the monkey cage
1: larters. audience are bloody nice people, and I will not have you attack, attack, the, attack the audience of the Infinite Monkey Cage. I'm not I'm just it. saying. Minus sweet as... ads.
5: Monks.
2: And oh, so I've missed them God. This is The
1: Two Cultures War begins again on our final day. The classic Ooh, yes. versus Brian's theoretical oh, physics. No, no, no. Yeah, the audience
2: yeah. the audience to my documentary uh, compilation show shortcuts are by far the nicest uh, Crowd oh, on radio for. And i went the sweetest
5: version of Barry Hill ever. Fine. <laughs> <A> mild fight. <laughs> so yeah, no, I've missed them. But we've recorded them I mean it was kind of weird recording them in a cupboard instead of on a stage. Um, but it's given it a much more kind of intimate storytelling kind of vibe, much like the Ovid films have, I guess. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, we changed the we changed the kind of format of the show as well, because usually for the first five series, it's been about a, a historical figure from the ancient world. And for this series, because it was going to have this kind of more storytelling-y kind of thing, we switched it so that it would be about mythological figures. So it would have that kind of let me tell you a story as opposed to let me talk to you about a life. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like the the talking about a life felt like such a uh, performative thing to do. I didn't really want to do that without an audience. I didn't want to make the series that we were planning to make and and it just be not not how I planned it. It's like, well, how can we make a whole new series that will be something different and kind of will bring you into the show instead of me performing the show out so i hope we've achieved it i don't know i hope it's all right i don't know
2: i think that's the best way to react to this circumstance as well is is to say okay i can't bend what i was going to do to fit with this with this i I have to make what is out now
5: yeah Uh, let's make a different thing well instead of the thing we wanted to make less well definitely Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: I'm interested in the I, I was saying to Josie yesterday, because on Wednesday we recorded um Monkey Cage and having a total of six people and four time zones. And yeah. trying to and so much of what we do when we're together is your kind of you know, mm-hmm. you're getting new ideas and oh here's an idea for that and here's a gag for that. And we also and we had because as well as Brian Green and, and Katie Matt, we had Steve Martin and Eric Idle. So of course, also boy fan oh. is then heightening the adrenaline but there's a time lag as well. So trying to work out that bit of going, I've got a joke, but I don't think we're going to work. You know, that that bit where you yeah, have yeah. the sieve and filter the the jokes that your brain's creating. You go, thanks, brain, but not now. Yeah, not you, time. You,
5: you may join in at this point, brain. Hush.
1: <laughs> oh, if only it would. Um, have you got a show and tell, Our final show and tell from you? Here? I
5: do. Um, I have generally brought you classics items on my desk. Um, for the last uh, however long it's been, eight weeks. And today is no different. So this is the edition of um, Ovid of that I am working from on today's poem, and we're at number nine, which is Day oh, and I right. Hercules. But you'll note, my, this is not, the LurB edition, fond as I am of it, is not my show and tell. My show and tell is this very beautiful, I'll hold it in front of this so you can see it better maybe, this very beautiful um, uh, bookmark, which my mum bought me from the Troy exhibition at the British Museum, which was on until March. Um, And it's, of course, the helmet of Achilles, the plumed helmet of Achilles um, in full uh, uh, fighting mode. So that is it. And I thought that was my best classical item. And then yesterday in the post, Matilda, who runs my social media accounts, sent me Lego Hercules to go with my letter from danira to Heracles. Heracles, Hercules, the same person. So look at him, little Lego Hercules and Disney Hercules. I literally couldn't be happier.
1: I know we're going to have a later guest who's going to be going very, to be very envious because he did not um, have Lego Heracles in his pin up his hero, mate. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. um, We're going to go over to Deanna in a moment, but uh, I'll just quickly show, my show and tell had to change very rapidly for political reasons. Um, But uh, all I've got here is my postcards from uh, the film Martin, which is one of the great underrated George A. Romero films. It's about uh, a a young man who maybe psychologically believes he's a vampire, isn't a vampire, has uh, flashbacks to possibly being a 19th century vampire. It's a beautifully strange and bleak film set in the kind of suburb of, uh, of, of Pittsburgh, and I would highly recommend that. But it's nothing compared to a man who uh, owns an embroidery book, which I look on with envious eyes. Mark, <laughs>
3: it reveal is. the adventures. It ah. is. Now, this is a fascinating thing. This was sent to me by a man called Richard Dolby, who I met very kindly. Uh, said to me, uh, we met at the Bram Stoker Memorial Dinner in in 20, in twenty fourteen,
6: <laughs>
3: and he sent it to me, "It's from nineteen forty four. It's printed on wartime rationed thin paper, but it's a very beautiful thing." Um, yeah, and here it is at the with colour plates uh, and everything. I find it colour the This is this will get you through the lockdown. Oh, that yeah. is. And he used, to, he used to embroider with Queen Mary, who was a good friend of his. I love things. I, two, I queens, just... two queens together.
1: Oh, I, th- <laughs> I just think that is such a, a, a beautiful story. And there's uh, and for, again, for people watching, look up on the, on, on, on the internet just some of the images. There's that beautiful one of I think he's playing Polonius uh, in Olivier's Hamlet. And uh, he's just sat at the side of the stage in full costume waiting for his... Wait to you. But just doing, you know, a little bit more embroidery as well, just before that moment. It's fantastic. Um, We are going to take a quick uh, poetry break uh as you said we've got more guests than normal today which is is great and uh we are we're going to be back hopefully natalie and mark are able to to stay with us as we started a little bit late i apologize for the fact we started late um they may not but i hope they'll stay with us but we're now going to go over to uh Deanna roger and uh, i'll just mention again that uh, our new Patreon account is up and that's for all of the new things that we're going to be making but if you can't be bothered with that we have got the tip jar as we said i think we made about twenty seven thousand pounds and we've been sending that to artists and uh, and art centers over the last few weeks and some of the art artists that you've seen on this uh who've just got nothing coming in at all we've been able to sometimes some of the guests uh give them something for doing this as well so that has been really really useful and thank you very much everyone who's done that hello gianna hi, hi. You're hi. Right, you're right. Hello. am i live yeah you're yeah. live you are here with us now the um <laughs> now it's a question we ask everyone because it's been there's been a lot of different takes in this which is during this period which is is can seem both incredibly mundane at times and then you suddenly realize what is actually going on because you don't see that it becomes incredibly strange and I know that some artists have found it very hard to create some of them have hit a a real wall here is all of this this time where there's nothing else to do but create and in fact almost that has created the the impasse how have you been finding it
4: well um I created a whole baby I did six weeks ago. Six
5: <laughs> weeks ago?
2: Congratulations.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I've Adam, a do you
2: have two children that you're in, that you're in lockdown with then?
4: Yeah. You see, too too.
2: you don't have time to be worrying about whether or not you're creating at this moment in time.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so I have um, kept up with things, so written yeah. a few commissions and still writing just for sanity and making up games with my toddler and, yeah, so... But yeah, had a got a newborn. Not here. She's downstairs with her dad.
1: Wow. Oh, we were hoping because we've had some good show and tells of both cats and dogs, <laughs> but no one as yet has had a show and tell of a newborn baby.
4: Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> also, also no. I'm just in in your <laughs> awe that you're getting other stuff done.
4: Like, I have incredible. to. I was the same when my other kid was born. Like I just couldn't stop doing what I was doing. I think it's I think it's in security. Like I know how to do yeah. my job. I don't know how to
1: raise a child. So,
4: So, yeah, it keeps keeps me um, feeling confident.
1: And in terms of what you're writing, because there were a few weeks ago going, oh, everyone's going to be writing about lockdown, whereas, in fact, I think generally what we find is quite the opposite, is everyone's writing about some other world or some other imagining and and kind of looking out and imagining the opposite and and around. Um, Are you finding that as well?
4: I'm writing about, well, I was always writing kind of these things that were kind of polemics about motherhood and so just like many rants about uh I don't know prams in my way even though I have a pram you know just like kind of just being flippant and uh, provocative in the way that takes place in my brain a lot of the time so I'm still just writing that because now it's really extreme (laughs) so I'm like Ugh, there's another fucking nappy on the floor, fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> and then like that spiralling into, I don't know, memories of me sharing a room with my sister and being like, ah, someone's in my space all the time. So, yeah.
1: Holly McNeese is another of my favourite kind of writers around that area as well. Holly's <laughs> stuff is, uh, uh, he's, he's absolutely for those of you who haven't, haven't read it, I think Plum is one of her, is that one of her more recent collections? I can't yeah. remember, but this yeah. the, yeah. She's got another one she,
4: coming up called Slug, I think. But she's, she's a legend,
1: man. Like, pop, babe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a really interesting... Years ago, like 25 years ago, I remember going to a poetry night and there seemed to be a real level of kind of antagonism that I noticed amongst the poets. And yet now, quite a, a lot of the kind of groups that seem to be starting up, there's a lot of... Well, not even starting up. Some of them have been running for quite a while. There seems to be a real sense of... of, of, of ca- a really joyful sense of camaraderie at a lot of the poetry oh, yeah. nights that I've seen.
4: I think some even when being, being agonistic, t- like it's just pure love because we we you, I guess you get to know people so well because you're seeing them present this vulnerability on stage and then you're able to go well you were able to go and have a pint and chat and be like what's that about and how do you know what I mean and like really get underneath using poetry as a vehicle for that so yeah I'm like my best mates are poets um, not all of them, because I think that'd be unhealthy. But <laughs> <laughs> the ones that aren't don't live in the country. So, you know, <laughs> keep everyone at a bit of a distance, it seems. um But yeah, I think even when we're being antagonistic and scoffing, there's still a really healthy respect for, because anyone who gets up and throws themselves in front of an audience like we are now, I mean, come on, you've got to give them some sort of ratings. Yeah.
2: I always think about that with other comics. Even comics, unless somebody does stuff that I think is hateful, yeah. but like other yeah. comics, I'm always always like, "Well, yeah. we're comrades. We we do the same thing. We're on a team. Like yeah. you just yeah. are, even if their stuff isn't for me.
4: Yeah, like,
2: it, you just can't help but have that connection with people.
4: Yeah, it's almost so a relief when it's not for you, because then it's like, "Oh, you're looking after that corner over there. Yes, laughing over here.
2: Yeah, and also I don't have to watch this bit. I can just go and sit and think about something else." <laughs>
1: in fact we should give a plug to someone else as well, well poet that we've, we've had on a couple of times before who's also doing uh very regular shows online at the moment don't forget luke wright go and look up luke yeah, wright yeah. who is he, uh, he's, luke he's luke doing luke. loads of stuff and uh and and please do go and support him if you can diana what are you gonna uh you, you're gonna do one poem for us today aren't you
4: i'm gonna do one poem it's quite an epic um i think it's about six minutes long but that's all right it'll fly past because uh, it's it's well written um <laughs> it's i've I wrote it a couple of years ago, it's called Psycho Bitch and it was um, for small green shoots that I wrote it they commissioned some writers to respond to the word psycho bitch because and there's more swear words that attack women than men um, and I thought this would probably be the best one um, for because it's a good release piece um, but there is loads of swearing in it so if you are sensitive to that or and um, don't want your kid or your partner to listen to it then mute but you can watch the facial expressions yeah, um, go,
1: go into a cupboard. If you're homeschooling now, either <laughs> sent them into the cupboard or you go into uh, the cupboard. <laughs> or, or, I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've always found that when I've been, you know, when I, when I took my son to, to poetry things at festivals and stuff like that from the age of three, it meant that he learned very often how to eloquently use. You know, if the yeah. first experience is actually seeing an imaginative use of swearing, I think that could have a very good effect.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. That's because, yeah, I swear a lot. Um, <laughs> but this won't be on the curriculum, curriculum so, um unless you want to put it on your home school curriculum um all right it's on,
1: Sa- it's on our home school curriculum so for those of you who are fearful of the swearing or for other reasons set your watch now you've got six minutes you can go away and do that for the rest of us we're going to enjoy diana there we go please right. welcome to her room and your room diana roger psycho Sa-
4: Sa- bitching should be a profession Get a degree in psychobitchery, graduate and join a psychobitch agency, whose services include hiring a psychobitch for the days you are worn down, tired and sad and in need of a helping hand. Someone to flip the switch, to shout in your corner or to prep you up for you to hold your own. A remote coaching service for occasions calling for a healthy, angry honesty, for change, for revolution, for an abrupt end to being spoken over, being touched, being pushed, being ripped off, pissed off. Ignored, patronised, overcharged, underpaid, lied to, deceived, taken for granted, not believed, ridiculed, pitted against, pitted against slut shamed, called out your name, labelled hysterical and or crazy. Download the plugin on all devices to compose emails on your behalf, to direct a wanker to a voicemail, to send motivational quotes to your screen such as... Psycho bitches bewitch snitches with firm hugs and three French kisses. Psycho bitches with big sticks dig ditches and build bridges. Psycho bitches flick little pricks into the distance. Pitch Mariah high note in an instant, slips easy thoughts needing 66 stitches. Psycho bitches enrich lives with horse manure. If it smells like shit, it probably is. Yeah, um, it's legit. I hope my baby grows up to be a psycho bitch. Flips out at any hint of oppressive bullshit. Wax wildly with a Quidditch broomstick and flies to platform nine and three quarters to go to school in a place where this shit doesn't exist. Oh wait, that world is brick wall fake. So I wish, with fingers crossed, that my kid grows up and into a psycho bitch and tells this patriarchal system where to stick it. Flips it to derogatory lyrics and tells it, suck a clip after flashing your dick in public whilst people shake their heads as they do when a mama takes out her breastfeeding tit. So I should acknowledge here that some people may have flinched at the word tit. I'm sorry, um, you see, I'm no psycho bitch. I'm the, I'm gonna call it, but still hope you all like me kind. The, yeah, 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 I agree kind. The follower, the retweet, the staying opinion in my room, in my mind kind. The, oh, for fuck's sake, don't worry, it's fine kind. Good at forgetting resentments and grudges and what I should say when face to face with the problem. The anger management cry instead of explode kind. Been thoroughly conditioned to be sensitive of how others feel, which is a good thing. Of keeping everything nice, which is nice. To bite my lips, which fucking hurts sometimes. I know the rules and I know that it's not okay for me to shout at you from this screen because this is a safe space where what is performed has been edited and censored to ensure that it's accessible and appropriate for my audience you and what i say must be digestible considered pointed but not too sharp so that it's inclusive non-offensive to you and all those that can't stand this wouldn't be here in this liberal room so this is for you liberal few far and between the world isn't passive it's much more mean and sometimes we are on separate planes of politics but that's because we live in a fucked up crazy world which deports windrush generations, campaigns against immigration to return to the good old days of world domination demanding closed borders to the effects of present day war and famine and o- open market arms deals to nations with shady reputations and crusades of patented seeds, it's all comic relief from colonial privilege all export of image and hypocrites but don't you worry because we'll probably be just about dead from our carcinogenic crisis before the earth's pole switch, so as I was saying I wish my kid grows up to be a psycho bitch because any other job is just rubbish. A waste of time, bashing brains on glass ceilings, feeling that this can't be right. I must be too weak to fight, but if I play my part as such, then I just might. Get a promotion, save for a pension, not be made redundant on maternity leave. Have some kids and save them from a life of poverty. Proving that waiting silent for your time is time worth well spent, but it ain't. It's like watching the wall become the paint. It's like avoiding the speech by pretending to faint. It's buying your likes to become an Insta saint. It's a spiritual corset, a soul's constraint. Pretending that you don't need to do a poo. Carrying all the stodge, taking it home with you, saying yes to all jobs, calling your male mates to ask for their rates, doubling your quotes, squeeze eyes closed tight to send them triple workload pressure galore. But a psycho bitch says, Give me that, 1K, 2K, 10K, please. No, that's a commission. An amendment is a commission. No, that's overtime. Email sent on Sunday, needing Monday reply, it's overtime. Cause Psycho Bitch ain't too shy to ask what, for what she wants. Psycho Bitch ain't scared to demand what she needs. Psycho Bitch will scratch any itch. Psycho Bitch sees it, seizes it, flicks it, ain't afraid to kiss it goodbye. If it won't comply, Psycho Bitch is there inside of you. And for some, she takes alcohol to come alive. <laughs> for others, it's pressure. And others, it's others. A fake email address, a toilet power stance. A deep breath or fierce little black dress. Some need a shampoo and a blow dryer. Some need a mirror and a cry. Some she just appears and some have to decide. Psycho bitch is the witch on the stake. The two centimeter icing on the cake. The fake nails, hair, lips, the jeszy best mate. Psycho bitch is here for the ride. Life's a slide and the ass is loving it. Psycho bitch wears watches with dead batteries because time's a cage and life's a stage and life's a page and life is made of actions without hesitations and doubt is for morons who write on tissue paper with crayons and fear is for bigoted extremists. And this... Well, this began as a psycho bitch pitch for big business, (laughs) to show my kid how to be more than she is told she is, how to be brave and not give a shit if she believes in a world which is rich with magic and dreams of a space where she can transmit, without doubt she's not a mug, exactly what she means and means it. But now I'm realizing that I'm more psycho bitch than I believed at the start. And if you move in this world all cock and no heart, And are waiting for a psycho bitch comedy porn poem to get your kicks. Well, we've come to that part just in time for the finish. Come, lean close and listen to this. Call me your psycho bitch. I'm so good at pretending I'm an irrigation ditch. Yeah, that's right. I'm a psycho bitch. And I'm not taking anything for it. Because I don't want to. Because why not? There's literally nothing else to do. Anything else is not being true. So fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Children,
1: you can tell your parents they're allowed out of the cupboard again now. <laughs> That's fine. Thank you so much, Diana. That was, uh, um, where can people find uh, awesome. your work? Where's the best place at the moment for them to uh, um, get access to, to, to um, what you Well, at
4: the moment on the telly, i see my mug on the telly, but um, my website, but also my socials, uh, like it's kind of me just ranting a bit like that on socials and um, YouTube. There's some old and dodgy videos on there. Um, but yeah, just, I guess follow me because I'm all, often posting things out that I'm doing. And um, yeah, and I want to get my followers up oh.
3: <laughs> Brilliant.
1: So yeah, I and mean, it is just Diana Roger on the uh, on, on, on Twitter. Go go there. Twitter go go th- there and find that. Thank you so much. Thanks so We're much, Your
2: and
7: Thank you. All of fantastic. This is over
1: and done with. Thank you. Um, Natalie. The uh, is Natalie still there, I think. Yes, they're muting, demuting. Very uh
5: because I, uh, I, I thought otherwise I might breathe annoyingly while Diana was performing and that would just be rude
1: now we should mention that your uh, your book has just been uh, given a, a, is in the shortlist for a big price isn't it? yeah
5: it is it really is yeah a thousand ships is shortlisted for the women's prize for fiction so yeah Which, it's norm- you. normally in june but this year it's going to be september so yeah so i have three months of running around going ah! <laughs> uh, before, you know it becomes largely irrelevant in the, in
1: <laughs> but you did have that exciting moment which you posted the other day of finding because you can't Find see in it, the sh- you can't see in the shops your book with the sticker of uh you know elation on it someone actually did manage to send a picture didn't they Of, of thousand yes. Ships with the shortlisted, the short-listed thing for
5: the women's prize sticker on it yeah and seeing it I, I was trying really hard to kind of be all right about it because the day that it was announced, you know. I, I I didn't have anyone to kind of share it with. I went for a celebratory walk and <laughs> came back. I kind of kept my emotions in a reasonably kind of uh, plausible order. And then a friend, Truder, posted a picture. She'd ordered the book from Waterstones, I think. And it had come with the sticker on it. And she took a picture of it and put it up on Facebook. And I was like, oh, there it is. Look at that. It's real. Because for a while, you kind of assume you've dreamed it. Because it is one of those things that you sort of think, as you're writing a book, you think, oh, what if people read it? You know, what if people like it? What if people, you know, are nice about it? What if they tell me that they like it? And those kind of thoughts. You have to sort of, well, I have to. I guess other people do things differently. But I have to keep them kind of in check. Because otherwise, it gets sort of dizzying. And so you sort of have those moments where you think oh god what if it what if people really really went for it that would be incredible and then with this book with ships um it had two or three moments like that one when when it was translated by a a collective called Sezon Gunaikes a women's theater collective in Cyprus they translated it into Greek and did an all-day performance of it at Nicosia international festival last November and I went over for it and watched whatever it was. Whatever 14, it was hours, 14 hours of performing this book. I, dozens of women performing this book. And that was incredible. And then they brought that over in English this time to the British Museum. And we did an, uh, as an edited version of it. And no, actually, we did the whole book there, but, but in three rooms at the same time. So you couldn't see the whole book. But, and, you know, and loads of my people like Margaret Cable and Smith, who I know you're a huge fan of, um, yeah. came to to read there. And and finishing, I read the last bit in the Parthenon Gallery, um, and that was one of the most emotional experiences of my whole life. Uh, I, I've never I never cry in front of people ever. You know me. Normally I'm like stone, but I, I, I just couldn't. And then, yeah, the the shortlisting. It, I I just can't really I'm so boring about it because you, you know the exact cliche that people say it's such an honor to be you go no I'm not bothered about it being an honor I'm just overwhelmed by it I was overwhelmed by it when I got the email telling me and I'm overwhelmed by it now weeks later I, I can't I, I can't really believe it
1: and it is so. Uh- and it is as well just the fact that you work so hard on a book and, you, you know, and there are all those moments of of worry and fear and will anyone read it and will those who read it. like? And the fact that it does also mean that hopefully more people are going to read the book as well. More people are going to – that world that you've spent so long creating yeah. and debating with is now going to be in more people's minds. So I think for that it's, it's, it's magnificent Absolutely. as
5: well. And you know how it is when you're writing. You kind of – you just write for, you know, either yourself or your kind of – imaginary reader. reader, but you don't really imagine it going out into the world and meeting other people. And this book in particular, I know you know this already, Robin, very nearly broke me in two. I, it came as close to destroying me as anything ever has. And I do not say that lightly. And so it's extra kind of strange and special that a book which came so close to to running me down and crushing me is now it feels like it's kind of clinging on to the fact that readers are reading it and getting in touch with me to tell me what it means to them and so on. It, it, it has been like a real lifeline, it, the rope that you pull yourself forwards on through this whole kind of lockdown process. It's been ex- an extraordinary experience. At, at the British Museum, which was just before you know everything, it, be- it became clear that we would be locked down. It was the end of February. Um, and we didn't realize quite how unlikely it was that I'd be able to go back over to Cyprus and see them in a few months. Um, but there was a woman in the audience there who had who had survived a war. She she was and is um, a refugee from war, and she's made her home not in London, but she was in London um, for a, a short period of time. And she wrote to me afterwards to say thank you for putting this experience into words. And so I don't how how, how am I supposed to respond to that? You know what am I supposed? How am I supposed to say thank you to somebody who should never have had to undergo that in the first place? But like, that's how I feel. Is thank you, thank you for listening, thank you for reading, thank you for feeling that way because it makes me feel like the the destruction I I brought upon myself is such a minuscule fragment of the destruction which was simply done to millions of people every week of every year of all history. And then you kind of go, oh, okay, but it was it was maybe worth it was maybe worth doing something that was painful in my very small, very cozy horizons. It was worth it to try and reach out to people who've had such a harder, uh, more brutal life and say, I'm I'm doing my absolute best to hear what you're saying and I'm doing my absolute best to, to tell people how it is.
1: Well, people, yeah, a thousand ships is as, as we we say as, as cool. most we say cool. most mornings. Um, you know, j- try if you can use an independent bookshop. A lot of them uh, are still ordering books and delivering books and doing all those things. Yes, uh, yellow lighted
5: bookshop. Please go for them because they are doing an incredible job. The yellow lighted bookshop in, uh, in um, Gloucestershire are doing an amazing job of getting books out to people all over the world when they can, but all over Gloucestershire when they can't. But they will deliver nationally. So please do order. From so them. Please do order from them.
1: Yeah, remember them. Uh, Big Green Bookshop. I'll add a, add that new and books. So they're all all you know. Go, go and look them up um, and and support them. We're now joined by again someone else who is leading this new wave of revolution uh, in the classics. But last time he was on, we were talking about uh, the the show he did mixing uh, Heracles and Duke Ellington, and uh, which is an, as I mentioned last time, it's an incredible piece of work. I saw the first time he did it, and uh, hopefully when this is over, he is going to be doing it in uh, in in more locations again because it's just uh astounding thing on, so we david, joined by, uh, david Mc- i'm very good
7: robin how are you this morning great and i want to start of... it's, it's still morning isn't it yeah uh, i know it's
1: been a long one this one hasn't it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: thank I, you i
1: want to talk me. about your lockdown films because you were just before we went on we were talking about uh you know on, on on facebook doing a little rundown of 10 films that are really worth your time and you were telling something about you you've chosen a hitchcock today yes but there's there's a quite an interesting proviso can you tell us a little bit about that
7: Well, it's um, Frenzy from 1972. As uh, the series has gone on, um, I've actually um, moved from um, the films you pay for online to the films that are available for free online. And um, um, I'm not sure how I felt about Frenzy the first time I saw it, but but, but, but I noticed a few months ago that it's online, so I checked again last night, and um, after a day of marking student papers, I thought, right, what I need is a good two hours of escapism, so I went to Frenzy and um, it's fascinating because it's set in in London of 1972. It's his penultimate movie. Uh, It's shot in and around Covent Garden. It doesn't use any major stars. It's people like um, John Finch and Barry Foster. And um, it's um, very watchable, but um, there are sequences in it it that are really horrific and uncomfortable and quite wrong. Um, And so I Woke up this morning feeling a little bit stuck because I didn't have a film to recommend today. Basically, I've been watching them the night before and reviewing them the next morning. But I thought, no, no, speak about this and speak honestly about um, uh, how it made you feel this time. And um, before I did that, I um, accessed JSTOR. I don't know if you know about JSTOR.
2: Yeah,
7: it's a fantastic um, online um, academic essay site. So you can just load anything into Google and um, add JSTOR to it, and um, articles come up. So I thought, I, 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 I type Hitchcock women JSTOR, and I found a piece by a woman called um, Jan Allen from UCLA, writing in 1985, recommending that women watch it just so that they could get a, get, 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 get a handle on the way that um, male directors uh, privilege their um, voyeurism and misogyny. And so I wrote, about it, I, I, I wrote about it that way, and then I said that actually, if you're a Hitchcock completist, this is the film more than any other that actually reveals who it is that you're dealing with.
1: It's interesting. I was chatting to a guy called Adrian Owen, who's a, a neuroscientist and does studies in consciousness. Also, does, and does studies in consciousness. Also, does a lot of interesting stuff with people with locked-in syndrome, and has done some really great advances at that. And he was saying one of the things that they're interested in when they're looking at how our conscious mind works is they use a short Hitchcock film Ooh. because you find that there are certain uh, storytellers where everyone becomes so engrossed. And it's a very simple. St- it's a story where basically a kid finds what he thinks is a toy gun but he doesn't realize it's a real gun and it has bullets in it. So it's all about the different thoughts that people have, because a lot of people also think it's a toy gun. So we know the level of jeopardy and most of the characters don't. And he said, it's a very interesting thing that when you're studying consciousness with a story like that, and with a storyteller like Hitchcock, everyone's brain, you watch it as it's mapped out on the FMRI and you go, each one is reacting in the same way. Each one is engrossed in the same way. And that yep. gives us some sense of a kind of common idea yeah. of the pattern of consciousness. you really and of
7: the mastery. Um, the thing about it is that you, it, it is definitely the film of a master at work it's um extraordinarily funny but um very disturbing and you can't watch frenzy um without questions and it does reveal or reiterate um the fact that criticism film criticism is dominated by um, males um because um you wonder how 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 could Manhattan by Woody Allen, for example, possibly be seen as a classic when when, when, when it tells such an appalling story. I remember and Trent the is f- same f- sort of thing.
2: Sorry? Sorry. No, I remember the no, fe- I remember the feeling when, like when I was about 23, an ex-boyfriend was like, Oh, you really should watch Manhattan and how deeply uncomfortable it made me and how yeah. weird and seedy and wrong and gross it felt. And then having to sort of be like uh, that that weird feeling where you're trying to work out whether you ought to be fitting yourself into this uncomfortable hole or whether you should be trying to sort of engage everybody in it. And like, God, I like, I do sort of sometimes feel grateful for the fact that at least the past 15 years has moved on the conversation in some way, shape or form. Yeah, because is. I do remember that, you know, 20 years ago when I was 18, 19 at a university sort of, constantly feeling like I was doing this internal gymnastics or this internal like holding at bay these bleak feelings yeah. whilst the people <laughs> just glossing over them yeah, um, I, I,
7: I mean I had years to see Manhattan and when I finally got around to it I was I, I, I was really because I mean this was after all of the um scandal had been reiterated and reiterated and after um Sun Yi and everything and I was really horrified by it oh but, it's so why, why is a classic why is this
2: a classic yeah
1: completely it's an incredible as you mentioned there that idea of the male gaze because i remember the first time i've forgotten her name now <laughs> the, uh, who wrote the essay on it and and the moment that you, you're given that you go oh there's a lot of films that i liked which are now really changed Mm-hmm. and because you watch things for, so often we are very passive aren't we when we're watching entertainment and we watch that and we don't realize what is being fa- you know sometimes it's historical sometimes, sometimes it's historical about, sometimes it's about you know so many different kind of cultural groups that all of that is in there and all of that goes to bolstering our sense of of what exterior reality is and, and i mean who, I who, it,
7: it, it, it's a lot um even with something like some like it hot um there was an essay that um James Baldwin wrote some years ago called The Devil Finds Work. And in that essay, he spoke about um being um the being in the audience and rooting for the cowboys, but after but, but over a period of time, suddenly realizing that he wasn't technically an Indian. Hmm. And so um, you know, we all love It's a Wonderful Life or Gone with the Wind, but for a black person viewing that, it's um like There are questions. It's like, you know, um, what happens when Hattie McDaniel is not pulling um, uh, Vivian Lee's corset together? Mm -hmm. What happens to um, uh, the maid in the It's a Wonderful Life household, you know, whilst um, he's going through his um, magnificent epiphany? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, people say, oh, well, you know, it it was the time. It's like, yes, but, you know, I'm still getting older as a black person, understanding all of these um, uh, tropes. And, um, I have to have a problem with that
2: yeah Th- well that also, has- it's it's an act of mind bending to have to watch something to watch where something there's something where there's literally one person that you could possibly say is like you like it, it, it's it's like bizarre to have to sit and watch you know I mean my experience is obviously only in a gendered and not a racial uh perspective of it but like if I see a film that Only has male characters. It's an alienating experience, even when I'm enjoying it. On some level, you can't help but feel alienated by it because it's it's normal to (laughs) not to.
7: And and, and criticism that um you know um, makes this movie a classic. Who is writing this? Who's promoting that idea? Mm -hmm. And inevitably, you find yourself with a wall of blokes. (laughs) You just do.
1: Yeah. The um, we, we've we're almost out of time, which, which is time. A, a pity because every 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 person, every, every, we got on every person that we've got that on here is someone that over a lot longer listening for a The the just we were talking beforehand when we mentioned Hitchcock and you were saying your favorite Hitchcock
5: is is The Lady Vanishes, but it is. I just love it. I don't really like um. I my favorite Hitchcock by far is Black and White. I like them when they're murder mysteries. I like them when I don't get me wrong. I like Cary Grant in a nice suit running as much as the next person. (laughs) Uh, I I really like it when people are in you know grubby grimy London in Hitchcock world. Um, I think the misogyny is at a much lower um, raw at that stage so i don't feel like josie says i don't feel the sense of alienation i feel later on where you go well i suppose this is very beautifully shot at the same time though oh women all whores hitchcock okay <laughs> it just is a bit tiresome isn't it having to constantly rejig that in your mind you say oh, i
1: can't be bothered anymore sorry and the lady uh, vanishes is a delight i would say that and 39 yeah. steps are two of oh, a... them robert donat is robert so donat so is is so just a brilliant. superb actor mark can i ask you do uh, young and
3: innocent Young and Innocent. Which one's Young and Innocent? Oh. Joe Young and Innocent. That's an no. early Hitchcock. Wonderful film. It has a twitch. There's an, there's an incredible <laughs> sequence where the murderer is revealed. Uh, yeah, wonderful. So I love the early Hitchcocks. They're very underrated.
7: Actually, Mark, I thought about you this week because one, of, one on my list was The Ghoul. Was the ghoul. the oh, yes, Faith Hunter. Karloff's first British film, I think. And um, I remembered that time. Karloff came back. Carlf came back. Yeah, yeah. Then, came uh,
3: back to Britain to do. Uh, came back to Britain to do it. He didn't have a very good time.
7: <laughs> there was a, there, there was um, a, a Wimbledon tournament some years ago. I forget which year, and I was on yeah, Twitter at the same time as you did back in those days. Hmm. And um, just as this dark cloud approached the um, court, Centre Court, and Boris um, Becker said. There is a dark cloud looming over centre court. And then you tweeted, um, there's a dark cloud looming over court <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. That is brilliant. The um it's a Boris thing. It's what yeah. Borises do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, Natalie, stand up for classic starts on Sunday. Sunday afternoon, radio four, 430 four PM. 430 PM. Yes. And I'll be and doing a
5: live and QA afterwards at five
1: brilliant and a thousand ships uh is of course as we said uh if, if you can use an independent bookshop but you know how, however you can get it, go go, and get it. however mark, you can get it going mark uh don't, steam
5: do, it, don't encourage people to steam it that's not helping anyone is it
1: this is the hardest time for uh thievery, as well you know um <laughs> mark the and yes yeah, some of some of us do not require it um uh mark now you know after eight weeks you still have projects coming up uh and, and what, what is the thing that you're most hoping after lockdown that that we're going to be able to kind of see
3: an experience that you're you're doing well i don't know anything really um uh, everything i was doing for this year has has disappeared um i'm really? still supposed to be doing a christmas carol uh at nottingham playhouse and then ali pally at christmas um, but I, I mean, theatre is on an absolute precipice. Who knows? It's, it's. It, this is, of course, what we, the, what the whole hour could have been about. But um, theatre is is really in in real danger here because it's going to be the last last thing to reopen inevitably. And and small theatres are hemorrhaging money. Every every theatre is hemorrhaging money, and they're going to some of them are going to go to the wall. Uh, inevitably. Uh, it's it's a very frightening time. So I don't know. I really don't know. I'm, I'm sort of like everyone. I'm writing in a vacuum, not knowing what the world's going to be like on the other side or when the other side is going to be. Uh, so I don't know, really. i have nothing up my sleeve, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a <laughs> weird thing. Adventures in embroidery.
2: But as, <laughs> a, as a writer, it's so humbling as well, because it makes you realise how much before this happened, you felt that you were in possession of some knowledge about the world and about the future, and actually, how much that was resting on sand. You know, I, I I think before I really felt like, well, I'm able to kind of think about the world and pass that on, and now I'm like, I got nothing. I got a dustbuster yeah. that my baby uses. I
3: got nothing. I got that's my new. Actually, I say that every day. I've got no... I got nothing. I got <laughs> nothing today. <laughs> nothing.
1: My well, we, we should. <laughs> No, I was just going to say we should mention as well that you. We should mention as well that you you were talking about BBC before uh, BBC Four before, and and I do think that that is one of those things where there will be alibis made up for why certain things are now considered to be luxury goods, which will be art. Yeah there's a a, it's it's all kind of so i was just going to mention uh yanina ramirez on on her account at the moment is very much kind of behind the drive to show how much support there is for bbc4 so any of you i'm sure many of you've seen her arts documentaries or heard a brilliant series art detective she particularly enjoyed talking to you mark i know that because i spoke to her yesterday and we were we were chatting about some of your choices um so also go and go and have a look at all those things thank you so much everyone we're going to end david i i think it's still okay to are are we gonna are we gonna end on a song david today if you like i would like to um thank you very much to david and Natalie and mark who've been very supportive of us over this last eight weeks and it's been a great joy to have uh josie as well to start every day with my dear friend josie as well as and- a
2: sidekick like a little um puppet of a little um woodland creature or something is how i see myself
1: like I a see you. cupboard. I see you as a mighty transformer dust buster. I see you as that that's what the different ways that we can twist and shape you from at one point an arts emergency campaigner, then the, the dust buster that your daughter plays with. Um, and uh, sorry, if anyone didn't see that at the beginning, you're probably thinking that may well have some kind of really uh, <laughs> connotations. It is referring to a story at the dust buster Oh, great. I've ended now. This is going to ruin my Straight reputation on the What's final fun- day.
2: Is it really feels like because if once this is over, this will be the end of lockdown like it's gonna be such a head fuck to be like and we've done the eight weeks and tomorrow we're oh oh Okay, so just Uh, (laughs) we're
1: we're still going to meet every ten o'clock, aren't we, Josie? We're still going to meet up and have a little chat. To perform
2: the ritual. Oh my word! I have to tell you this before this ends because something interesting interesting happened to me yesterday, and uh, nothing interesting ever happens to me. I was in the woods recording my Radio Four show at a distance from the producer because we don't know how else we can record it. And um, in the woods, where's my photo of it? I found. The pieces of two plates. Can you see them? Yeah. And they have a friend in like Kintsugi tradition. Pieced them all back together. And they were the rituals of two, I'm a hundred percent certain 13 or 14-year-old girls due to the details on them. And what they'd done was in the middle it says letting it go. And they'd written all of their deepest sadnesses and secrets onto the plates and smashed them. And they didn't even know that two women in their mid-30s were going to come and piece them back together. And so now I've read these like beautiful, sad letters by teenagers. And then obviously we put them back together, and I was like, this has ruined whatever ritual they were doing like we fucked the magic so we had to like spread them all out again in the woods but isn't that
1: fascinating i cannot believe that you it in the the fairy doily <laughs> wrap them in the doily and then destroy them both <laughs> <laughs> then, then you're clear of all your you'll curves. never take this i love the fact that you think <laughs> I, I knew what i'd forgotten to tell you i found some ritual plates in the woods um thank so you, I you very you much want everybody to be like, this, to this
2: was wonderful for you all to come
6: oh uh, that's
1: scary now that it looks like right. billy wilder's fedora exactly. um uh thank you very much everyone who supported us and thank you very much as i said we we uh, made total twenty seven thousand pounds i think and uh, we've been distributing that to um artists and and art centers and uh yeah your support's been great i know not everyone has been able to contribute and that's you know you've been contributing by watching and uh we're going to be back on Josie's gonna when's your quarantine comedy club tonight
2: No, it's not. We're not doing it tonight because um, Trent is
1: prepping for
2: the show uh, on Sunday. So instead, I'm writing a quiz for all the other people in the Quarantine Comedy Club and we're just going to do it in private. (laughs)
1: brilliant yeah that's fantastic and there will be uh i think we still have the uh, the, the the kids science show tomorrow and then on the sunday evening uh we are doing the show that was going to be at the royal albert hall and everyone you can see here will be part of that as well i think oh, but i'm not entirely true. sure we're going to find out on the night that may well happen so uh, if you can join us if you can subscribe to our patreon that is great we're going to very quickly reveal to you uh um we're uh, our producer um trent and uh, mel as well who is also our producer who you hear less from and to And thank you very much again mark's got disappeared now thank you mark brilliant always brilliant um it's been an absolute joy watching sherlock with my son who's 12 now and has and just really been enjoying i i it was great after a few years of not watching them fantastic um trent where are you where are you I'm too kind. thank where you, you. Um, good luck everyone thank you very much to trent and thank you to for all of it you- all the time um Thank you very much, everyone. We're going to leave you with uh, a, a song by David McComan. Again, go and look up all the stuff that um, David has done, is doing, find out about when he does his Heracles show, when this is over, it is fantastic, and all of the other things that he does as well. Josie, I'll see you uh, later on. Natalie, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of our eight weeks of uh, being... Well
2: done, Robin. You've been a consummate host
1: and you have been a consummate host as well i think the uh it would not surprise me if we get a very big contract to do a morning show somewhere in wisconsin that's what i'm imagining (laughs) let's do it good morning wisconsin now ladies and gentlemen welcome into your front room in his front room mr david mccolman's
7: uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is a shameless plug for my most recent album, um, McCalmont and Webb, The Last Bohemians. And this is a cover of Queen's Love of My Life.
6: Love of my life, you've hurt me. You've broken my heart. How you leave me Love of my life Can't you see Bring it back Bring it back Don't take it away from me Because you don't know What it means to me Love of my life Don't leave me You've stolen my love. And now deserve me, love my life, can't you see? Oh, bring it back, bring it back. Don't take it away from me because you don't know what it means to me. You will remember when this is blown up. And everything's all by the way. And when I go older I will be there at your side to remind you how I still love you. I still love you. <laughs>
2: So beautiful. I Great. had to go into the communal hallway in the flats, and I didn't want to let go of the song, so I had to just take it with me. Take so I, it with me, so I didn't miss <laughs> It
1: Looks like you're escaping from the whole uh, podcast now after eight weeks. Thanks very much. <laughs> thank you, everyone,
0: and thank, thank you, you for all time. your support.
7: Bye. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for supporting the festival, dropping stuff in the tip jar, subscribing to Patreon, and everything. Uh, we hope to see you on one of our Patreon live shows or some of the other free live shows we're doing, patreon.com slash Cosmic Shambles to support uh, all the stuff we're doing going forward. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much. Take care. Stay safe. Stay home. Bye. Bye. <laughs>